Welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Along with Uncle Larry Jones, and it's good to see you again, my friend. You're looking well. You too, Unc. Um, yeah. You know, HBO Max just launched. Yes. And um, this is awesome I'm, I'm work, I'm glad bro. I'm with uh, AT&T because uh, I, you got it. It. I already got it. <laughs> I already got it. But the content um, on there, I was, you know, browsing through over the weekend and They've got a lot, a lot, a lot yes, of sir. good stuff. So why don't we uh, introduce our guest and and, and get right in? Because this is a this is this is powerful. This this is powerful. powerful. Um, premiering on uh, May twenty seventh. It's already premiered. It's on HBO Max right now. This powerful documentary that uh, adds a, a better understanding of the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. uh, centering around the challenges of Black women and um, what they face when telling their truth uh, to the world. And the film is about prominent black women in the hip-hop music industry who have bravely come forward with their uh, stories of assault by none other than Russell Simmons. And on the phone line, we have uh, one of the members of the first all-female hip-hop group, Mercedes Ladies, Sherry Sher is on the line. Welcome to the Public Hi. Affairs Podcast. And uh we Thanks also for having me. Oh, we oh thank you for being here. We cannot wait to get into this. And also we have the uh, film's cultural expert, Shanita Hubbard, is also on the podcast. Welcome, ladies. Thank and the you name so of the much. film Hello. KG. Thank you for having me. And the name of the documentary is called On the Record. Mm-hmm. And uh on the record just compelling. Bro. I was in awe last night. I mean, first of all, technically it was perfect. But just to walk through that whole scenario, you're going to learn and see some things that you would have never guessed. Mm-hmm. And it's going to blow your mind and give you a really cool insight on how black women see this, dealt with it. But I'll let the ladies talk about it because yeah, I, I was yeah. enthralled. It was so good. So, um, ladies, thank you for being on the Public Affairs Podcast um, how were you all approached about on the record? Um, Sherry, um, you, you, you can go first. Uh, are you, you mean after the film was released? Well, no, like just the, the process. No, with uh, with them approaching you. Oh, about, the process. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I I was approached um because I was um when I came out in um in L.A. Times um in two thousand um. In 2017, I, um, I, L.A. Times had came out, and it had um, my story. I had came out with my story, um, which my story, you know, actually, I came out earlier when I um, I was the first um, started the first old DJ rap group, and um, Russell used to manage us. So um, back then, um, when the incident happened, I did t- turn to um, somebody, and somebody was there. Um, that um, when it happened, and I just didn't speak on it because you know, coming from where I was coming from, Russell was bringing hip hop into the major league, and then I I was an all female group that was going against the all male arena, so um, I felt that I wouldn't have had no support or resources or back out at the backlash I would get. Fast forward, um, I did a book, uh, published a book in 2008. Um, around 2008, um, my book came out. Uh, it was the same people that did Biggie Smalls and C Murder. Mm-hmm. I got it published. I had a chance to either do an autobiography um, or do a novel, and I chose to do a novel because I didn't want to do an autobiography because I thought that 
if I would have did it that way to to um, use Russell's name, um, so to say, to blow my book up, it would take away from the essence of my story, which was just the journey of Mercedes Ladies. And it would just overpower it, and I felt it would be like blackball because he was powerful, much powerful back then because that was when Fat Farm. So what led up to me coming to the documentary, I came out um, in L.A. Times. Uh, I think Drew, Drew had came out in New York Times, and uh, she had hit me up. And we had um, met with each other, and we, you know, shared stories and how difficult it was for us to come out with our stories. And then she had um, told me about it was a documentary that, um, you know, um, some film um, directors wanted to do from California. And did I would I be interested? And from there, I met Amy, and um, Amy came to New York and did certain scenes with me and Drew. And so that's how I got involved into the documentary. So, Sherry, before uh, the two articles came out with the Me Too movement and the whole thing with Harvey Weinstein, you two ladies did not know each other, you and Drew? No. Wow. Because when you guys watch this on the record, it, it is so well put together. It, mm-hmm. it, Well, I don't want to say it, it looks like you all knew each other, but it was it's done to where the stories are woven to where it's so good that you won't, you won't want to miss this because that era was at its beginning, KG. And then this this is the rise of pure hip hop. And you know, mm-hmm. we didn't really understand what was going on, but 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 my my babies were loving it. Mm-hmm. So we we would have no clue the difficulty the women would have mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. scenes um, with 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 this this sexual harassment or. Or rape. Or rape. And and what was fascinating to me about On the Record, all of you all's stories were the same. same. And it just yes. got me thinking yeah. about yeah. everyone else, you know, be it Cosby, be it Weinstein, be it whoever. And I'm like, wow, same story, same pattern, same way. Yeah. So these guys have, mm-hmm. th- these are, they're, predators. they're narcissists. And, they're, narcissists. and they're predators. Yeah. And predators. And they have a way of of getting them. Um, how did you get involved, Shanita? Um, so it's interesting that we're having this conversation now in the midst of a larger conversation about police mm. violence in the Black community. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, it started to me when um, the public learned about the Me Too movement, not when it was started. But I wrote this piece for the New York Times um, amplifying why it's complex for a Black woman to say Me Too when her offender is also Black. And I was highlighting how systemic racism keeps us from going to police or feeling safe going to the police. And then we have a sense of protection for them because we understand, mm-hmm. we have a sense of protection over black men because of the way racism has mm-hmm. you know, harmed us and ravished our communities. And my mind so was blown when you said women. that on the dock. When you mentioned that, I was like, wow, she is right. This is just... KG, that was one of the most powerful things that I, I want to give these ladies that props because the fact that you have been attacked, raped, reduced, but yet you still mm. knew the position to take that black men would be seen right. in a different, in a different light. way and, yeah. and sacrificed yourself, your whole being. Yeah. That that was a platinum mm-hmm. stroke. I, I said, I mean, this is amazing. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm I was sorry. writing. A, oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. I we was, we I get excited. That 
<laughs> I was writing a piece that highlights that really, really important notion about why it's so complicated for black women to come forward. And then I also um, followed it up with some work that I did for the Huffington Post about the ride-or-die ride mentality is mm-hmm. killing black women, how we have this unsense of loyalty, even when it's unsafe for us physically, emotionally. We have this unsense to vote, you know, this oftentimes unreciprocated devotion to black men at our own peril. So I did a lot of work amplifying that. So I was reached out. So there, the directors got familiar with my work and reached out to me about it. Mm. Sherry, because I'm, I'm not a pure hip hop guy, what became of your <laughs> career? Uh, the, the, um, the thing was um, in hip hop and um I, you know, I, when I'm from the Bronx, you know, come from a mother of a single parent, you know, 11, 11 siblings. And I I took to the streets because, you know, home was very tense and struggle, you know, and coming from the Bronx, living in the Bronx, it really was, uh, you know, how the Bronx was always looked at. So um, when I decided to um, go out there and I fell in love with hip hop, which my mom thought I fell in love with the streets, I actually fell in love with hip hop. And me and three other girls that I um, used to hang out with, we used to go to Boston Road and hip hop. When I when I was around hip hop, when Grandmaster Flash and all of them would be on the corner, and there all the guys out there doing their thing, Shah Rock was on the corner, and me and Shah Rock was cool, you know. And I and I was like, wow, this is so. I want us to start our own because there's no girls out here. We went, so that's how we started. Like we had like uh, two two um, D, female DJ, DJs and four MCs. And we went out there and we rehearsed and we got our equipment from the L Brothers manager. Mm. And we went out there and we started battling the guys and we became hood famous and, you know, it was nothing to reckon with. But, you know, coming up in the Bronx, you was in that era and stuff, you know, you was taught to be a nurturer. And that's from your grandma, my mom and all of them. You nurtured the black men from the community because we, you know, it was, they was already facing all kind of um, injustice and they was, economically and the justice system was beating them down already and so the Bronx had we had hip-hop and we wasn't making no money but that was our I was our community we protected each other and protected our our black men you know so to come out you wouldn't something happen you're not going to come out and say something to you felt like you always had this um thing where you had to be held like if you came out as a black woman and said something how dare you you're helping the system um, bring down this black man. You're helping the system be- beat them up. And so that way you have to be um, held silent. And all these years I had to be silenced because the hip-hop was big and Russell was big in hip-hop. And I had to be silenced, but I kept doing my thing. I kept um, continued, you know, recording with Mercedes ladies. And after we broke up, I started doing stories and source and vibe. And that's how my book came um, about. And so then they wanted to know my journey. So then I knew um, Kennison and vibe was merging. And I showed, you know, gave came to them and say, hey, I had a journey that I've been keeping since I was young, since I was 15 is when I went out there and started Mercedes ladies. And that was my passion and my, my, my desire. And even though we split up, I still wanted our story to be told because I was like, we were six amazing women of color that came from nothing and single parent home. I'm not going to say nothing in the negative, but you understand what I'm saying. We had nothing to look up to. Mm -hmm. And we, we decided to go out there and, you know, battle the guys in hip hop. And I said, our story was so amazing. I wanted to write about it. And that's what I did. And I was determined to get my book published. And it, it was hard. And it was a thing where, you know, um, 
you have a choice. Vibe and Vibe magazine and Kennison did give me a choice. You know, do you want to use it to blow him his name or novel? I made the choice of novel because I said I didn't want him to overshadow what I what my real essence and my and my um determination was for my book. And so that's why I kept it silence for so long. And even though I ran into him after my book, he, you know, said, yeah, I know you wrote a book and there's some shit in there. And I was like, yeah, you should be glad because, you know, who knows what would happen if I would have called the police back then when my friend was begging me to. Who knows where Def Jam would have been. So it, it's just a thing where you're just in a position as a black woman and as a nurturer and, and, brought, that, and brought up that way that you just did not go and say anything about something that happened to you because you would look, you wouldn't have, first of all, you wouldn't have resources. You wouldn't have um, the community having your back, especially in the hip hop culture. How dare you do this? I'm blowing up one of ours and taking down. And then um, even when I got the question, why are you, why are you bringing down a black man? I said, I'm not bringing down a black man. I have upheld black men in my community still do to this day. I married, my, my husband was a black man who came out from prison and I was married to him and he became a supervisor MTA because I, I, we held up our black men. I said, it's not a black man. I'm, I'm, it's a predator. Mm. And you were broken down. You were attacked. You were raped at a very young age. And, and, and in my career, I, I couldn't even, I felt a lot of it kind of helped my career down because even as, you know, actually, when my book came out, it was the first female hip-hop novel ever published, and I didn't even get any type of um, support from the uh, um, my community in hip-hop, like radio stations and stuff like that. Not at all. Hmm. Not at all. It's a compelling story on HBO Max. HBO Max, on the record. Yeah, and yes, and thanks to Amy and Kirby that gave gave a platform for it because it just meant... I didn't really think it was going to get this big, you know, but it did. And it just, I just said, people said, well, why now? I said, it's timing. It's God's timing. Mm -hmm. Back then, it, I wouldn't have had no resources on, mm -hmm. or no platform. So I just kept doing what I was doing, you know, normally as far as pushing my book and pushing the script and stuff like that. But I didn't never know this documentary would go like this. Oh, well, just wait, because, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it's not even a week old. The app just came out last Wednesday. So as people get yeah. HBO Max and they watch on the record watch you'll you'll be talking and making more appearances i am very very curious to know just as a human being mm. how did you process that being so young and what can you when you look back how can you say that that kind of stifled you as a human as an artist and as a woman? Um, the way I, okay, the way I was raised was, is what helped me get through that because, um, like I said, my mom, you know, she, she ruled with an iron thumb and uh, iron fist, I should say, and she was a single parent raising 11 kids by herself. And, we, you know, like sometimes when you get home from school, you was getting an eviction notice on your door and, and, and things, it was always a struggle, but she always taught us we better not cry. You just you just dealt with the situation and you keep on moving. And my mom never, I never see her break down. And, and you know, I used to be looking like, wow, you know, she just would never break down. And um, even when I used to be getting the beatings, because I used to be running away from home to be in hip hop, which she thought was a gang. And I used to get the beatings. The love for hip hop uh, actually made the pain from the beatings go away. But the thing is, when 
you get that beating, you, you better not cry you're going to get another whipping. So I was raised not to cry. I was raised not to, to sh- you know, I guess to show in a way my mother the had to The same way that they strong. raise us black men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So when you raise that way, you, 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 you keep your emotions inside. And, you, and my whole thing mm-hmm. was with this whole thing is that what helped me is I was like, okay, Russell, you know, you know what he did to me. I'm not going to let this stop me from my purpose and what my greatness is. And so I just said I was continuing on my journey. Um, when the, when it was time to speak out and stuff, and when the film came out, I, um, all of my emotions ran high. And you know, like I had support, like my sister and my friend that was there when the incident happened. It was like it's your time. It's about time you held that for so many years. One thing before my mom died, she was so happy that my book got published and you're telling your story, you know, and that, that touched me. And she taught me to be strong and taught me to never, you would never see me cry. Even if things go wrong, people know me. I never show emotions. And I think when I, this film, I, um, it, it by me looking at it, because they sent me to see the film before it was um, came out from Sundance, but I chose not to look at it. Mm-hmm. I let my sister and my friends look at it. I said, I'll see it at the at Sundance. Because, you know, I just, I don't know, I just didn't, I said, this is real. But actually, when I first seen myself on film, it was very overwhelming. I, the night of the, the Sundance, I went home and cried because it was me looking at myself and saying, you know, actually myself seeing all of the hurt and pain that I didn't realize that I was holding for so long. And my sister said, you didn't think it affected you, but it affected you. Mm-hmm. But in another way, I, I, I was I felt vulnerable looking at myself on the film because I guess in the first one I seen, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm not just an accuser. I'm, I'm more than just an accuser. You know, so many things I accomplished. You know, mm-hmm. I did college tours for my book and spoke about women in hip-hop and stuff. And so I guess it was me facing that, and it was okay to be, to to be to show the real pain and actually that to be honest on that film it captures the pain and what everything that I that virus that I kept inside and I guess it was a fear of if I go this way I know Russell's going to try to stop this if I go that way he's going to try to stop this so it was a lot of my fear even though I went on and kept doing my career it still was that fear there mm-hmm. that wow you know Russell is big in the game yeah so it, it it was a lot. It was a lot, and it was me also healing. It was a healing thing for me because um, watching a film, I actually healed and like and saying, "Wow, I'm proud of myself that yeah, I'm not I'm you. not holding that secret no more. I'm not being yeah. silenced no more." Like, you know, good it just felt you. it's a healing, and it felt so good to release. Good for good you, Sherry. Good for you, uh, Shanita. Was there anything that you learned more, or or maybe an aha moment? Um, when doing or maybe after seeing on the record the documentary? Yeah, actually, um, there's a part in the movie that, that, that just sticks with me and stands out a lot. Um, Karen Mayo, she says something, she has many things, but she says something so powerful. She talks about um, one of the things, oh, let me just rewind for context for those who didn't see the film yet. Drew Dixon uh, major in the hip-hop industry and yes. she was an A&R person responsible did not know her history was of, like wow mm-hmm. <laughs> right she's an A&R person responsible for some of the great our greatest class like you know the mm-hmm. Meth and Mary you know you're all I need that's everyone's you know classic that's a classic slaps. right she just bought <laughs> some classic acts and she's such a pivotal star in the industry so after you know she tells a story about after Russell Simmons raped her she 
fell out of love. You know, Sherry mm-hmm. talks about falling in love with it. Drew fell out of love with hip hop and she just walked away from the industry. So Kiernan says a point towards the middle of the film when she says, you know, Drew was young. She may have been like in her 20s creating this dynamic art and being yeah. this amazing A&R person. What did we lose in this in, culture, in, in the other in our culture when yeah. brilliant women go away? Yeah. So that point just stayed with me, like not just within hip hop, what yeah. do we lose as a society when sexual violence silences women in our in different fields and different careers? So it's such a powerful moment that that question just stayed with me. Yeah, when she said that, I sat there and thought, like, she's absolutely mm-hmm. right. What what other greatness mm-hmm. did we miss? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, guys. Uh, the documentary is uh, HBO Max on the record. And it's 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 revealing. It, it's heartbreaking. Um, it, it certainly will make you proud of these women who've come forth mm-hmm. uh, and and shared their story, share their journey. Because as we've learned, once these things come out, there are thousands of women who have a story to share. And um, it's an, an, an unfortunate ugliness, but we face it and we go forward and we heal. And we, we learn to love and forgive from it. And I just want to bless you both and thank God for this opportunity to speak to you and get this movie into the heads of our listeners on the podcast because this is a very powerful work, ladies. Yes, and, and thank yes, you for and your I, and, I, and I want to also thank HBO Max for taking that chance with us. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. it, and it felt so amazing when I meet, met these women. And one thing I want to say is after 30-something years and I met women and I felt more supported than ever and like wow these women are sharing the same stories and and it felt good to 